going to talk about um, breaking the cycle and one of the things that I believe is that in order to break the cycle, um, obviously if it's a bad cycle you want to break it, um, is by making good decisions. So I'm going to spend a lot of my time in the decision making process with God and uh, hopefully bringing some light um, into the will of God. And what is that for your life and what it means to us as Christians. Um, why don't we start by saying a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time together. I pray that as I unfold your word, Lord, you will use me to speak to someone in this place and bless them, encourage them, take them to the next level with you, O oh Lord. That will be able to break those vicious cycles, Lord, that sometimes we find ourselves into. Bless your word and anoint me, Lord, to preach it today. Amen. Glory. Well, first of all, um, let me warn you, I'm quite random when I speak and I jump from thing to thing. And hopefully at the end, some of it, not all of it, but some of it will make sense to some of you. And if that happens, I will be really happy, and I hope you are too. I need to make a few disclaimers of my message. I guess uh, preachers don't do that very often. But um, I am taking on these huge subjects, and I have some assumptions, some things that, uh, some, a, a type of person that I'm speaking to. And it has a lot to do with what Gabriel spoke about last week. People that know, first of all, that God is good, and he has good plans for you. He just read that verse from Jeremiah. And people that are reading the Bible and walking in the Spirit, just like Bruce was preaching this morning. So if you miss those two messages, they are key to understanding where I'm coming from. And I feel necessary to say this because I'm going to take it and try to run to the next level, rather than spending time. Uh, in, during this message, trying to explain you that God is good. I think we have to, can we assume that God is good? Are we happy with that? He has good plans for us? Do you know that being someone that wants to go after God means that you're reading his Bible and spending time in his presence? Good. Okay, let's start there and see what happens. You know, sometimes I spend time uh, in the prayer meeting praying for people and... Um, talking about uh, the, making decisions and what's the will of God for your life, um, many, many times, this is a particular example, but uh, people come with uh, strange prayer requests. So let me give you an example. I was um, there, and somebody came and asked for guidance and direction uh, because they have a word from God, and they want to test it, and, and you know, they want to see what get some testimony, get some prayer behind it. And I thought, well, that's great. That's what we're here for, to stand together in prayer. So they told me, I need you to, to stand with me. And I asked them, so what is it that you heard from God, that God was saying? And they said to me, well, God asked me, God told me, sorry, that I will marry such and such. So I immediately stopped, stepped back to the surprise, and I said, sorry, I'm not going to pray for you. Next. And they're like, 
What? How can you be so mean? You're supposed to be a pastor. And I said, well, you know, the pastor's wife is already married. So I don't need God to speak to me or any clarity or discernment to understand that that's not right and not from God. You think I'm crazy, but those things happen. And let me tell you, we lie to ourselves sometimes in the same manner. Not in so obvious things, but in things that we can easily sort out when we are reading and in studying just the logos, what we call it. It's just what is written there. And I'm not wanna, I don't want to come at this from a legalistic point of view because that's, certainly I don't want to do that. But there's a lot of things here that will help you break in cycles. That will help you just by the power of his word and reading his word on your decision making and on your walk through life as you discover what is the will of God for you. See, what I think normally happens with us, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but we do stuff because we want, we want to. And we, ha we do them, we just do them, no reference to God's will, no reference to anything. We just get them done. Take life decisions, get married, go on holidays, go on trips, take jobs, just because we want to do it. The other position is that we do things we want, and if that happens to align with God's will for our life, then that's a plus. Good job. But we're not really asking God much. The other times we pray and ask God, and then we do the best we can and hope we hit it, and that's what God wanted for our lives. And um, Gabriel is sending me messages. See, that's distracting when you're trying to preach. No, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good word. Thank you, Gabriel. And then the other thing is we pray and wait and wait and pray again and wait on the Lord. And what are you doing waiting on the Lord? How old are you? 85. Well, I think you should finish your degree. Stop waiting on the Lord. We wait and wait and wait and life goes by and we are waiting on the Lord. We blame him. He doesn't answer. What can I do? But it says here in a few verses in the Bible that if you ask him, he will give you all things. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 21, 22. And whatsoever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Is anybody here full when they receive what they've been asking for? Full of joy, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's the word of God. Not making it up. First John, yeah, there's more. First John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask, Anything according to his will, 
he hear us. Again, John 14, 13, whatever you ask him in my name, this I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 16, I, you did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may, he may give to you. So if we have all of these verses in the Bible that says that God will give us anything you we ask Esteban why he hasn't given me this list that I have and I've been praying. You see, we, we tend to go to extremes in a Christian life. And sometimes it's hard to understand this dynamic. That's why uh, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you from a point of view where a person that reads the Bible, that spends time in his presence. But I want to challenge you to do more of that, hopefully, in my message. And the two extremes, or some of the extremes that we can go through, is that we go about Christian life asking God, yes, but fearful. We are inconsistent. So one day we're asking one thing, the next day we change our minds. We are hesitant about the outcome. One of the verses that I read, it says, with faith, or according to His will. If you know His will... You shouldn't be hesitant because you know he'll make it happen. Or we take the other approach. We are prideful. You feel, you, 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 you see these people walking around church with the best suit on a Sunday morning, a shiny Bible, and they're telling everybody how God answered their prayers. And you feel like, oh, he hasn't answered mine. And you know, when you start digging, they made it up. They made it up. So many people. Oh, so you're so happy God answered your prayers. Yes, he has answered. He answered this. Look at me. I'm so successful. I'm so this and so that. And like thinking, you're just full of pride. I noticed one thing. When God answers one of our prayers, any of them, humbleness comes in. Thankfulness to Christ comes in. We get arrogant sometimes. Or we get full of false pretense. which They fall Similarly, but when we're trying to break that cycle and we're trying to make good decisions to get out of it, um, we should be full of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is a whole subject, subject that we can preach on in one day, so I'm not going to attempt to do that. But it's to have that reverence to God, to know that we can have our ideas, we can have our dreams, we can have our plans for our lives. But to have the humility to know that his are always better. That's how I can sum it up for you now in the context of what we're talking about. To think of things righteously. To have the mind of Christ. To, to be meek and bold at the same time. To be confident on who God is. And the promises that he has made to us. And consistent and taking those through in our lives. Knowing that we have been chosen by him. And he has a promise that he has made not only to us, but to his son that he will bless us and bring things to pass in our lives. That's where our confidence comes from. But um, like I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm describing, I hope, hopefully, things that are in one 
end of the spectrum, people that are completely outside the will of God, and people that are struggling in the middle, and then on the other side, people that are walking fully in that will. And there's a tension, there's a tension which, which says you have to be bold, but you have to be, you have to be humble on, on what you think, how you make your decisions. Let me give you, give you a few more examples. I mean, w one thing that um, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to ascertain is how much of the things that I do in a, in a given day should I ask God about and how much should I get on and do. I mean, how many people think that when Jesus walked this earth, what are you laughing at? How many people think that when Jesus walked this earth, he went to the toilet? I'm not trying to insult Jesus here. I'm just trying to make you think about something. How many people think that Jesus actually had to go to the toilet? Yeah, he was human, right? So what do you do with that verse in the Bible that says, he only did what he saw the Father doing? Obviously, God doesn't need to go to the toilet. It has to do with the principles and in the spirit that we do things. You see, God didn't want robots. He wanted a humankind that would rule and have their own will. In Adam and Eve, he established that and clothed us with authority that then we lost. Then he was so concerned that we could keep that free will and that authority that he has given us that he sent his son to die for us so that we can recover that authority, that stature, that free will so that we can commune with him. And I'm not saying be at the same level because we are not, we're never going to be. But at least be at a level that we can be, what? Walk into his presence face to face as it used to be in the garden. So you are much more than just a robot that has to find out God's will and then get on this little track and walk that track for the rest of your life. That's cheapening the salvation that Jesus achieved for us in the cross. That's enjoying a 1% of what he died for. He wants to give us all the things that we ask him. But we need to be in the right place in order to be asking the right things. So how do we go about this, not your will, but mine be done, O Lord? How many times you pray those prayers? And that basically means that this prayer that you were praying gets put into a bottom of a drawer and closed. Not my will, but yours be done. And we take no responsibility whatsoever for the outcome of that prayer. We think it's up to you, God. There's nothing I can do. But a partner in God... A God that has clothed you with authority and has sent his son to die so that you can be restored to freedom and authority. 
wants you to do something about it. At least keep nagging him, if nothing else. There are some prayers that you will be able to do something about it. Like, you know, you want to become a minister of the gospel. So go get prepared. Join Bible school. There's something you can do until you hear. Otherwise, if God has put that desire in you, then take the next step. You can do something whilst that happens. And that's how you break out of cycles. Don't put those things in the bottom of a drawer and wait to see what happens. See, it's very important to find out what God's will for your life is. Because only in that will you will find inheritance. Your inheritance is in His will for your life. Does that make sense? Like when you write a will to leave an inheritance to someone? That's how you tap into your inheritance. We always talk about sowing and reaping. We always talk about you have to do good so you get good back. You have to put money in the offering so that God will prosper you in your giving. And all those things are good, and that's a law from God, and it's good. He set it up, and it works. But how about moving into the next level of walking onto his will and in his will so that we start getting his inheritance, the things that he had set up for us when he founded the earth. And he said, for you is this. My inheritance. For you is this my inheritance. If God wanted yes men and yes women, he would have looked for not the human race. As you know, we are rarely yes men and yes women. In fact, I believe honestly that at the end of the day, Everybody does whatever they want with their life. But that's another point. I'm not going there today. Because maybe if we can line up that want to Jesus' will, to God's will, then we're on to a winner. When we see two of the major People that walked this earth, that knew God. When we look at Abraham's life, when we look at Moses' life, we can see how God didn't necessarily, wasn't after yes men. Abraham, in at least one occasion, challenged him on his decision. God decided, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this city. And Abraham bargained with God. What about if there's this many? Are you going to really appeal to, he, Abraham appealed to the character of God. He said, you're not the God I know. Are you really going to destroy these people if they are righteous people in that city? It showed that Abraham knew God so much that he was confident to say, I know you better than that. And all, God didn't mind it. God almost enjoyed it. Because it showed that Abraham was really his friend and that he knew him. 
You see, when Adam and Eve first walked this earth, there was only one thing that they should not do. So think of the list of things that you have in your life. Because Jesus came to restore us. In fact, it says that the second man is higher than the first Adam. And so Jesus came to restore all that to us. And whereas before, they had one thing that they couldn't do. Think of the list of things that you have in your life that you say, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't want to do this. God told me not to do that, not to do that, not to do that, not to do that. And I'm not talking about sin. Of course, you shouldn't sin, and that takes all, all of the list. Because sin, God doesn't like it. And, you know, I like God, and I don't like to do things that he doesn't like. I love God. I get to know him through his word, through his spirit, through his love that is poured on my life constantly. And no matter what I do, or no matter if I'm following him or not, he's still pouring on my life. And that compels me to love him back. And as I get to know him more and more, I don't want to do those things that he doesn't like. And as I keep my eyes on Jesus... And going for Jesus, then those things of earth become less and less important to me. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and, and I asked them, what do you think temptation is? Because I believe that well, that will define a lot of how we think about God. And this person said, temptation is all of the good things that I want to do that I cannot do. And I said, you got it all wrong. Temptation, if anything, are the things that will destroy you and destroy your life. And bring death into your life. Now, it gets translated into things that you do and things you don't do. But that's beside the point. If you're thinking that you have a good God, why wouldn't he want you to do good things? It's a whole new topic about how, what do we trust? What do we trust? Where do we trust our source of income, our source of faith, our source of every need that we have in this life comes from? Because if we, if we believe that they will come from the temptations, then we will give up to them, give on to them. We'll say, yeah, let's go for that because that gives me satisfaction to a need. But when you understand that those things have nothing to do with God, but it's to do with how you know him. The more you know him, the more you understand that the reason why he wants to keep us out of sin is not because he's a mean God that doesn't want you to, ha to have the things that you want. It's because he doesn't want you to have things that will destroy you that we think are going to satisfy us. And we are in the process of learning, all of us, to leave sin aside and get more satisfaction from him. So as you go through your Christian life, you should more and more get closer to be satisfied with God and less and less by sin. Amen? So no condemnation to anybody here, but strive for being from getting satisfaction from God. 
So what I'm saying is maybe a dangerous message. Maybe I'm saying you can do whatever you want. You can go for whatever you want because as long as you have God in you, you will do the right thing. Is that a crazy concept? I don't know. God seems to have some great ideas very out there, like giving us freedom. I think the key is communion, communion, communion with him. If we get to know God, his love, his word, you will start to love him back. And more and more you will start doing what pleases him. No doubt in my mind. Now, in, in many ways when it comes to breaking cycles, I think one of the best things that you can do is go back to dreaming and activate those dreams that you have. In Psalms 126, verse 1 to 3, it says, When the Lord brought you back from the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And they say, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. There's something about dreamers and people who dream that feels like they're unstoppable. It feels like they can go further than many of us in, in the same circumstance. It feels like nothing can stop them to fulfill their dreams. And I think far too many times this um, theology of dreams have been put into us as if you are not walking with a dream of God, then you better have no dreams because those sinful dreams will get you nowhere. And so through the years, we are shut down. We start thinking it's not worth dreaming. Because if I make a mistake and dream the wrong dream and go the wrong direction, I'm going to be away from God. And that's not my heart. I don't want to be away from God. I want to be with God. And I don't seem to think or hear what God's dreams are. So I better not dream. It's a dangerous thing. I think that when you dream, you pull life to the surface. And that it's an experience of abundant life. It shapes everything we do when we have dreams. It helps you when there's chaos and confusion and the circumstances are not going your way. It empowers you and it gives you grace. It makes you believe for the impossible that it could happen. And I believe this is one of the characteristic that we have gotten from God. We were created in His image. And I believe that we can exercise created power through our dreams. Why? Because you make something with your life that wasn't there before. The, the easy example is an inventor that dreams to invent, I don't know, spaceship that will take all of us into space, into the moon in 10 minutes. 
guess what? If he achieves his dream, he created something new that wasn't there before. So how do we go about it? What do we do? Well, let me encourage you. What are your dreams? Well, I don't know. I don't have many. Or oh, the ones I have had nothing to do. I want to drive a Ferrari. I want to, I don't know, do a helicopter tour in London. So let me ask you, if you were 10 times more courageous or had 10 times more money than you have right now, what would you go for? That's something that you can think of for a dream. And you're telling me about Esteban, we have the same problem again. If I start dreaming and these dreams are not from God, I'm going to get in trouble. Well, first thing, hopefully you're walking with God and you will listen to his small still voice directing your path. But let me tell you, I can give you 100% certainty that if you go back to your living room, sit down, turn on the telly, there's no way that God will direct you in your dreams. If you switch off the telly and still sitting down, there is no way God will direct you on your dreams. He may speak to you, but he will not make your legs move out of that couch and into the world to get your dreams fulfilled. Because he respects you too much, more than you do sometimes, and us, and me. So if you decided you're going to do that, he'll respect that decision, even if that hurts you. So as long as you stay there, not dreaming, not going for anything in your life, not breaking that cycle, God will not intervene. He's too respectful to mess with your life if you don't let him in. But if you are trying to achieve something and you're thinking, you know what, God, my dream is go down those steps. That's my dream. For, that's the dream for my life. If I get there and go down those steps, I'm going to be so fulfilled. It's going to be the best thing that can happen in my life. So you get off your chair, your couch, switch off the telly and start walking. And you continue to read his word. You continue to be in communion and you listen to the people around you that you trust, then maybe God will start nudging you a bit, hitting you from the side, speaking a word. And you will see these stairs, which you couldn't see before. You're thinking, I mean, that was my dream. But this looks so much better. You see, God's dreams for your life are completely intertwined with your identity. And when you see it, you wouldn't want anything else. You will not want anything else. You will forget what you thought it was good. So, this brings me to something I just said about hearing his voice because it's so important as we are in that journey 
that we hear his voice. And let me tell you, if you have any dream and you're doing nothing about it, take the first step. Decide what the first step is and go ahead and take it and see what happens. But in the mean, as you do that, you need to be listening through his Bible. I believe God speaks through us three ways, mainly three ways. Through his Bible, through his spirit, which is when we said we hear a small, still voice, or his voice or speaks to a prophet and gives you a word. And through other normal Christians which are not in ministry. And I want to challenge you and ask you about that. How many people do you let speak into your life that they can challenge you in everything you do? That they know exactly what you're up to, what you're trying to achieve, and they can tell you, don't you think you're being selfish here? Because you can, you can go downstairs to the bookshelf and find five or six volumes of God's generals, and you'll see how many of those people fail because they shut down the voice of God that came through others, through other believers that should have been around them to warn them. And they should have been listening when they did. And the lives were and ministries were destroyed because they didn't let anybody in, ever. They thought they knew better. Let me tell you, when you shut people out, you can only hear God now in two ways rather than in three ways. And God, because he's a relational God, may choose to speak to you only through those other people. Because he knows what you and I need sometimes. So until we don't see honor in people, we don't honor people in such a way that we can see God can speak through anybody into my life, then we will struggle. Enemies of breaking the cycle, enemies of making a good decision are laziness, fear, unbelief, excuses. Oh, but Esteban, you don't know my life is so bad. I had this and this problem. And let me tell you, I have been amazed how some people go through life with the, with the things that life has thrown at them. And I count myself lucky of how blessed I am from God. But normally the people that go through more are inspiring. They're not full of excuses. Normally us that have an easier life are the ones that have more excuses and are more belly full of things. Always movement, movement, movement. God can work with movement. Notice something about the people of God in this, in, when they were taken out of uh, Egypt. They didn't enter the promised land straight away because they sinned, and actually Moses had to intervene so that God don't wipe them off the earth. But he kept them moving. He kept them following him. And when they were really close to really finally pass the test, they sinned again. So God said, okay, we're going for another round until you learn this. But God never said, sit tight until I come for you. They were always moving. And of course, when they were taking the land, they had to go forward and take the land. The land wasn't just given to them. 
They had to do something. They had to do battles. They had to inquire of the Lord, how do we take this city? How do we go about this? How do we go about that? The Lord, when he called Abraham, he told him in Genesis 12, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And Abraham get up, get, got up and left. Why? Where? Where to? Which road? Get out of your house. You need to turn left or right. How did he make up his mind? He didn't know. He knew he could not stay still. He could not stay in the same place where he was because God said, get up and move. So I guess he thought, okay, let's go that way. And he went. And of course, he listened to God along the way for direction. Is that making any sense? There's a tension between moving and waiting and hearing God. It's something as Christians we have to develop as a second nature. In which we go forward, but we always live with boldness. Sometimes you see preachers screaming. But if they don't leave a little at the back to listen to the Holy Spirit, then it's futile. It's the same in our lives, in everything we do. We take a decision. We go for that job that we want. We think it's going to bless our family. It's going to bless our careers. That's what we want. But if God happens to say when you're in the interview, I don't think this is the right thing for you. You better listen. We better listen. Because he's not going to say it again. He respects you too much to intervene with your decisions. You see, we are not like that. We, if we love someone, we feel we have the right to intervene with their decisions. That's not love. That's control. Love is when you really have freedom. I ran out of notes. That's good. Too late. So I hope God will give you wisdom. Wisdom to know when to run, when to stop and listen, when to go for your dreams, when to stop and ask, uh, is this the right direction, God? Without falling into being what do you call these people that have two personalities? Schizophrenics. Yes. All of those. Because it feels like he's asking us to do that. But it's not. He's asking us something much more difficult, which is to live in the freedom that his son paid for us. And in that freedom, there's no framework. And we don't like no framework. We like, okay, tell me... Where does it end? Tell me what is, Esteban, just tell me what are the three steps to the five steps so I can do it and get on. It's a relational God. It's a person. Try to do that with a friend. Let's define the three steps and five uh, ABCs of our relationships together. The moment you sit down with someone and tell them that, they're going to go like, what? dude, you're weird. What are you talking about? 
but we think we have to do that with God. Let me tell you, if you've been in a cycle, if you've been not dreaming, if you've been not doing what you should be doing, stop now. There's no condemnation, no point dwelling in the past. You cannot change the past, but you can do something about your future. And your future starts now, and now, and now again. So I don't care what has been happening in your life that was negative and bad, and bad decision making and cycles that you need to get out of. Stop. Repent if you have to, if you need to. Take the decisions that you need to take. Some of them, you already know them. You don't need to even go to the Bible for a minute. And move forward because what is in your future is good plans. What is his dream for your life is your identity. It's the thing that will suit your life the best. And it's not some kind of punishment that he wants to give us. As sometimes we have been told. I want to pray for you, uh, if you let me. I'll ask us all to stand, please. And um, the reason I ask everybody to stand is that you don't feel like you're being pointed out or anything. But if you're here and you haven't made the decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, or if you want to recommit your life to that decision that you once made, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to dream to dream dreams with you because the ones that I've been dreaming are not taking me very far. The decisions I've been making are not taking me very far. Then I want you to pray this prayer with me and somebody will come and start with you at the end of the service and we'll take you from there. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today and I make a conscious decision of following you. I want to be with you, Lord. And I want those promises that you have said in your word. And that freedom that, you, that Esteban is talking about. I make a decision to follow you. Take me in. Once again, take me in. So if you pray that prayer for the first time, or if you're recommitting your life to him, you want to go back and follow him again because you haven't been doing a good job at it. Can I see your hand, please, so that somebody can come and stand with you and continue to pray on that? Thank you, sister. Anybody else? Okay, good. I want to pray for everyone else, everybody that is um, in the crossroads, everybody that is seeking to have dreams, or are seeking God for a decision that they need to make and they're not sure to go right or to go left and they really have a heart to hear God before they move. And I want to pray for you if you are someone that is not moving but wants to start doing something about it. So I pray for all those people. Lord, fill this room with your wisdom and your power. Let the revelation of who you are 
push out all darkness for, from our lives. Give us, Lord, the strength to stop those vicious cycles that we've gotten ourselves into. Lord, we know that you respect our will so much that you will not intervene unless we ask you. So we are asking you now, come into our hearts. Fill us with wisdom in these crossroads, in these decisions. Fill us with new dreams from heaven. Teach us to walk listening to your voice, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, do this, I pray, in every heart this afternoon. Holy Spirit, enter every heart and minister to them at their point of need, O oh Lord. Whatever it is, is in their hearts and is bothering your people today, Lord. It's different things, I can see it, but Lord, only you can do that work of love in our hearts. We give you permission, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come.